0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church of the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. Well, we've been focusing on the theme of Jesus' resurrection since Easter, and we looked at a few of Jesus' 10 post-resurrection appearances. And we also looked at some other scriptures that teach about Jesus' resurrection and, and, and the implications of his resurrection for us, which we don't always consider, right? Sometimes when we think about the resurrection and we, we go to church on Easter Sunday, we're like, yay, Jesus, you did it, good for you. <laughs> I knew you could do it. Uh, but it actually, the resurrection wasn't just a, a big win for Jesus. It has huge ramifications for you and I and, and for all of creation, as we sang just a few minutes ago. And when Jesus rose from the dead, And he appeared to the earliest disciples. They were astonished because they realized for the first time that one day God was going to do for them what he did for Jesus at Easter. And it changed the entire trajectory of their lives. The earliest disciples were were forever changed. In fact, most of the disciples of the 12 disciples were martyred for preaching about Jesus because when he showed up in resurrected form to them, they were like, okay, wow, this is real. And now I've got to proclaim and preach the kingdom and him, him as king. And it even led to their, to their martyrdom. That's how, that's how special these appearances were to them. And so today we're going to look at probably the most disruptive resurrection appearance by Jesus. And that's his ascension when he ascended to heaven. It's the 10th and the final resurrection appearance of Jesus. It happened 40 days after his resurrection. If you remember, when we were looking at these resurrection appearances, we saw that Jesus appeared 10 different times over the course of 40 days. Well, this is the 40th day. It's called Ascension Day, his ascension. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Um, And Jesus, when he ascends to heaven, he leaves the disciples to live in a very real tension. And that tension is this. How do we now follow Jesus... When he's not physically present here. So you have to understand that for these early disciples, they had followed Jesus for three and a half years. Everywhere he went, they went. For three and a half years, they lived together and traveled and and as Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God and was healing and doing miracles and and teaching and preaching, um, these followers were with him for those three and a half years. Then, of course, Jesus goes to the cross and he rises from the dead and He appears to them 10 times over a 40-day period. But then we come to the ascension. And when Jesus ascends to heaven, they know that he's not appearing again. This is it. This is the grand finale. And and as he ascends, they're left to figure out, how do I follow him now when he's not physically here? And and while these resurrection appearances made it evident that, that Jesus was alive, that he'd conquered sin and death, that the good news that Jesus had announced and proclaimed had had been fulfilled through the cross and and the resurrection, that the kingdom of God had had finally been inaugurated at last and that a new age had dawned. They knew all that from his resurrection, but what they didn't know is what do we do now? Because Jesus was leaving them. He's no longer physically there with them. And and the disciples are, are... kind of left behind to figure that out. Even though Jesus commissions them before he leaves, he gives them stuff to do, he commissions them, and and even though he tells them, wait for the Holy Spirit to come, they just didn't know what all that meant fully. So they're in this this tension. And what they didn't know yet was this, that that Jesus' ascension was going to pave a new way for them to be with Jesus. It was going to pave a completely new way for them to be with him. And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, we're going to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. and this, this is, In this first chapter of the book of Acts, Acts it tells us the story of his ascension. So we're going to read some verses from this chapter today. We'll start in verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And so this ascension story starts in Acts chapter 1 with a quick rehearsal, a quick reminder of the 40 days after Jesus' resurrection and how Jesus appeared to his friends, how he appeared to the earliest disciples, and and he was talking to them about the kingdom of God. And, And we know from when we read the Gospels that Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than any other topic. If you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find that in all of Jesus' teachings and conversations, the thing he talked most about was the kingdom of God. And here he is, even after his resurrection, and he's still talking about the kingdom of God he's still talking about it because Jesus was constantly talking about the kingdom of God and how it was eventually going to come to earth as it is in heaven, right? We pray that the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the resurrection demonstrated to the earliest disciples that Jesus not only talked about the kingdom of God, but he was in fact king of that kingdom because when he rose from the grave, which had never been done or imagined, um, it was evident to the early disciples, whoa, he's the king of this kingdom. He, 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 Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. That's what the disciples were left with. It's like, wow, this, this, is, this, this, this is a big change. And when we get to verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, we see the disciples asking Jesus about this, about like Caesar's lordship versus his lordship. We'll get there. Um, first, let's read verse 4 and 5 together. On one occasion... While he was eating with them, so even the resurrected Jesus in his resurrected body, he's eating food, right? That's encouraging because I love food. And so when we we are resurrected, we get to eat. I love that. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, speaking of John the Baptist here, John baptized with water, but in a few days... You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now the disciples of Jesus would have been somewhat familiar with this concept because all of the Old Testament prophets spoke of a day when God would pour out his Spirit. And so they would speak of that day. And so the disciples would have been familiar with God pouring out his Spirit and how it would usher in a new age. And Jesus was letting the disciples know here that everything the Old Testament prophets said concerning the outpouring of the Spirit is going to happen in just a few days. So this was big news to them. And they knew that in order to carry out the work of witness-bearing, that they would need the Holy Spirit. They would need God's Spirit. And being Jesus' witnesses wasn't something they could do on their own. They, they understood that. But they still don't quite get the scope and the scale of it. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit's coming? They didn't understand the scope of it. They, they knew conceptually what it was, but, but didn't quite get it. And, and in verse 6, they're, they're still kind of confused about, you know, G, here's Jesus in his resurrected body, and he's talking about God's, the, it's coming. Everything the Old Testament prophets have said, God's going to pour out his spirit. And so they're just trying to put two and two together, and they're thinking, hey, finally, the sign of the new age. This is where Jesus, the resurrected Jesus in his, in his new resurrected body and the outpouring of God's spirit are, are going to bring us national independence from Rome. This is it. Jesus is going to set up his kingdom. And so they, they say this in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So, so Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's appeared to them 10 times over 40 days, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He tells them that, hey, the the, the outpouring that you read about in the Old Testament, it's going to happen. And so the disciples are just trying to piece things together as best they can, like, oh, this must be it. Jesus is going to overthrow Rome right here and set up his kingdom. Um, And Jesus skirts their question. And and he skirts their question and implies that, that this is much bigger than what they're imagining. And in verse 7, it says this And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and and, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, This is bigger than what you're imagining. The Holy Spirit's gonna come and and he's gonna continue my work through you. And it's it's not just gonna be for the benefit of Israel, but for the benefit of the whole world. And you're gonna be empowered and you're gonna be enabled. You're gonna be equipped by the Spirit to to do the work of of witness bearing and sharing the good news about the kingdom of God. And and I I wanna pause here for a moment because we we have to ask ourselves this question. What about this kingdom coming and Jesus being king and setting up his kingdom, what about this was good news? Because I think you and I in our Western culture and society, when we think of a transition of power or we think of a king or a president or a leader, we, we get quite cynical. Right? If you've been through election cycles, you're like, okay, here we go, the promises again. Right? And then you, and, and there's all this back and forth, and, and, and you're thinking, oh, um, it, can, can this person be trusted? Can this leader be trusted? And you're trying to figure it out, and, and there's some cynicism there, right? There's ego, there's, we've seen coercion, we've seen greed, we've seen abuse of power, we've seen corruption. All these things we associate with, with kings, with people in positions of power. And so to us, when we, we hear about like a, a a transition of power, a king-kingdom, it's not really good news. So what made it good news to, G- to Jesus' disciples? Well, I think the reason Jesus becoming king was good news was because Jesus had proven that he was not like the other kings of the world, and that his kingdom would not be like the kingdoms of the world. Right? His, his justice, his judgment could, could be trusted. It, it wouldn't look like the, the hard-hearted, arrogant, tyrannical lordship of caesar it would look different and he modeled what that would look like right because we know this about jesus that the prophets say this about jesus that he was a man of sorrows he was one who was acquainted with grief who who loved us to the point of death even death on a cross right that that jesus not only created the world and us but he subjected himself to his creation to be brutalized and murdered Right, because of his love. He took on our sin. He took on our judgment upon himself on the cross. He conquered sin and death for us. And so the earliest disciples knew that Jesus was not like the other kings, that his kingdom would not be like other kingdoms. And so the coming kingdom, Jesus coming as king again, was good news to them, because he would not be like Caesar. And they were ready to to be witnesses of that kingdom, even if they didn't fully understand it yet. So let's read verse 9, 10, and 11 here together. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky?" This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, now talk about a disruptive event. Just imagine yourself in this, in this position. You've been following Jesus for three and a half years. He's crucified. You think it's over. You think, wow, we thought he was the coming Messiah, but he, he didn't free Israel from Roman rule. Um, and he didn't, you know, the, I, we didn't say with kingdom, he's on a cross. But three days later, He's resurrected, and now there's this fresh influx of hope. In fact, he's appeared to them ten times over forty days, and like, wow, Jesus is alive. Um, the kingdom of God that he announced and proclaimed has finally been inaugurated, and there's all this excitement. But then, at the ascension, he he's leaving, leaving, right? And so they they've, they've They're fully convinced that Jesus is alive, that his kingdom's been inaugurated. They're trying to figure out, okay, what does that mean? We have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And and here's why this was so disruptive, because they now, everything that they knew, everything they knew about being with Jesus was gonna change. They were were having to figure out how to be with Jesus in, in a completely new way, and they didn't know it yet. Jesus ascending to heaven. Jesus told them, when I ascend to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And, and when Jesus ascended, it was, it was a way to pave a whole new dimension of his presence, the coming of the Holy Spirit, a, a new way for them to be with Jesus. And, and I think they understood this, that Jesus wasn't abandoning them. Jesus wasn't leaving the world. He was ascending to be enthroned over. And he was sending them the Spirit. And then we read here in these verses that two men dressed in white show up, just to add to the enormous, um, remarkable nature of the ascension, because, you know, Jesus is is floating, (laughs) ascending to heaven, which is pretty remarkable. And then to have two men appear dressed in white, and they say, Why are you looking up into the sky? He's going to come back the the same way you saw him go. Um, We don't know who these two were. Uh, Some Some scholars suggest that it could have been the same two angels who appeared at Jesus' tomb on Easter morning. Some biblical scholars believe that these two could have been Moses and Elijah. Because in in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to a mountain to pray called the Mount of Transfiguration. And, And it says that Moses and Elijah appear. And they're talking to Jesus about his departure. And the disciples, Peter, James, and John, are like, whoa, this is crazy. Right? And so some biblical scholars believe these two men are the same two, Moses and Elijah, who talked to Jesus about his departure. Now they're showing up at his departure and saying, what are you, what are you looking up there for? Regardless of who they were, um, it contributed to the remarkable nature of Jesus' ascension. And remember, this was such a remarkable event that disciples became martyrs. They're like, I'm preaching Jesus no matter what, even if they torture me and kill me, because I saw this, I, was at, I, I experienced this, it's real, Jesus is alive, he's, he, his kingdom is coming, right? It's been inaugurated. And so this left a, a real mark on them. And after Jesus ascends, the disciples are left staring up into the clouds. And you have to imagine this moment. What would you do? Like, this is the finale, like, Jesus, he's gone, gone now. Like, he's, he's appeared 10 times, but now he's 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 ascending to the right, be seated at the right hand of the Father. He's not going to show up again. He's sending his spirit. We just wait. What do we do now? And then, how long would you look up for? I would probably look up for a while. I'd probably be like, that just really happened." Like, there he's, where'd he go? Like, and, and is he going to like, what's going to happen? And two men dressed in white appear, and there's something about these guys, right? They're not just normal guys wearing white clothes. <laughs> is that how Jesus went up? He's going to come back. Okay, that's What am I supposed to do now? (laughs) Well, you can read about what they did in the book of Acts. (laughs) Um, But if I were to summarize what they did in just a few words, I I would say it this way. With the help of the Holy Spirit, because of just a few short days later, the Holy Spirit shows up when they're all praying and gathered together in just a miraculous way, supernatural way. The Holy Spirit shows up and empowers them and equips them for this ministry of being witness bearers. And And if I were going to summarize the whole book of Acts, from Acts chapter 2 where that happens to the the last chapter, in just a few words I would say it this way. With the help of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' followers had to learn how to be with Jesus in a new way. They had to relearn. (laughs) Because they knew how to be with Jesus when he was there with them. They just followed him around. And he would heal and he would preach and he would minister to people. And they're like, okay, we're, we're here with you. But now he's gone He's commissioned them to carry on his work, right? And they have to figure out, how do we be with Jesus now? And it's through the the Holy Spirit, right? But they have to to learn that. And and not only that, they not only had to learn how to be with Jesus in a new way, with the help of the Holy Spirit, they also learned how to become more like Jesus and how to do the things that Jesus did. And, and, And that's our task today, as followers of Jesus. In fact, our church, Church at the Well, our, our mission statement, our, our goal, our objective, our primary focus is, is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to, to do what Jesus did. And just like the earliest disciples, we, we have to learn how to be with Jesus. We have to learn how to become more like Jesus. We have to learn how to do what Jesus did. And it's impossible without the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus told his disciples, like, you, you just need to wait because if you don't, you're, you're not going to be able to do this. <laughs> you're going to learn to be with me in a new way and the Spirit's going to come and empower you and equip you to be mission, to in, engage and in, in, be on co-mission with me and, and be witness bearers to the kingdom. And so how do we do that today? Because it's a weird thing, Right? You tell somebody who's not a believer, oh, yeah, like our church is about being with Jesus. Like, what are you talking about? Is he he there? (laughs) How do you be with Jesus? Well, the the scriptures tell us that there are certain places where we're guaranteed to meet with Jesus. We're guaranteed to meet him in scripture, right? We're guaranteed to meet Jesus in his word. We're, We're guaranteed to meet Jesus among the church gathered here this morning, right? Jesus said that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We're guaranteed to meet Jesus in prayer. Like when we pray, we can meet with Jesus. We're guaranteed to meet with Jesus among the least of these. Jesus said that whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. Right? He's there. We're guaranteed to meet with, with Jesus in Sabbath. Right? When we set aside that time to rest and to, to delight in God and, and, and be with him in a special way, We're guaranteed to be with Jesus. He's in all those places. But here's the thing about being with Jesus: being with Jesus isn't enough on its own. You can say, Adam, how could you say that? Well, I just have to look at the disciples. We look at Judas. Right? Judas was with Jesus three and a half years. He was one of the 12 disciples. He followed Jesus everywhere. And we know the end of his story, right? It's a sober, somber reminder that, that hanging around with Jesus doesn't automatically mean that you'll be formed by Jesus. Because it is his end was he betrayed Jesus and took his own life out of despair. He was with Jesus. But that doesn't automatically mean that you're being formed by Jesus. And so, yes, being with Jesus is, 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 is so important to our Christian walk, right? To our journey with God. But it's not, it's, it's not enough on its own you have to also become more like Jesus. And and one of the ways that we become more like Jesus is is through worship. See, as human beings, you and I, we become like what we worship. Right, and what I mean by worship, I don't just mean singing. Like a lot of times when we think of worship, we think, oh, we just sing, and that does it. singing is is a form of worship for sure but worship is much bigger than singing right worship is about fixing our attention on stuff um i what, one thing i noticed this friday night when i was at the concert the taylor swift concert is and i had to wear um a sparkly shirt so let me explain let me explain so so, so swifties like i would never seen so many sparkly clothes in all my life but Swifties, they, she wears all these sparkly outfits. And, so all they, and there's different eras of different outfits that she wore. And so everybody at the concert, has, so my daughters, we're, we're, she's all black sparkly. I got this black sparkly shirt. And, and, and I'm looking around, seeing all the sparkly. And, and what I'm noticing at the concert, because I'm looking around, is a lot of the people, especially my section, they knew every word to every song. They were looking like, dressed like her. They're like, like they have, they are called Swifties for a reason, friends. <laughs> Because they're like mini tailors. <laughs> they, they dress like her. They know the songs. Um, and there were times in the concert I couldn't hear her sing because everyone around me was just like shouting all the lyrics. I'm like, will you be quiet? I want to hear, <laughs> hear her sing, not shout shallow lyrics. Um, but, but it doesn't matter if, it, if, it, if it's a concert. If, if you fix your attention on sports, you're going to become a sports person. If you fix your attention, all of your attention focused on your career, guess what you're going to become? A career person. If you fix or focus all your attention on, on, on a certain hobby, or a, a cer- you're going to become more like that. That's just our human nature. We're wired that way. And so when we fix our attention and gaze on Jesus, guess what happens? Right? We become more like him. So we become like the things that we fix our attention on in worship. And, and, and worship is, is honoring Jesus with our whole lives, not just when we sing. It's honoring him with our whole lives. The book of Romans says this about, about worship. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, um, I'm going to read this from the message paraphrased version. It's not a translation of the Bible. It's a paraphrase, but I love how, how it's worded here. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. See, that's how we become more like Jesus. When we honor Jesus with our whole lives, we become more like him. But, but even after being with Jesus and becoming more like Jesus, we still have to learn to do the things that Jesus did. And those are things we learn. And the Holy Spirit teaches us those things. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to be with Jesus in a new way. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to become more like Jesus through worship, and the Holy Spirit teaches us how to do what Jesus did, um, how to walk in the way of Jesus. Uh, He empowers us to continue in the mission and work of Jesus as as witness bearers. So let me wrap this up. Jesus' ascension invites us into all three of these things, to be with Jesus in a new way, to become more like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And we are dependent on the Holy Spirit's help to do those things. If we try to do them on our own, it's not going to work. We need the help of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of. And so what I want to do today, just to close our time, is just to pray for us all. To invite the Holy Spirit to help us. Right? To be with Jesus. To become like Jesus and and to do what he did. So can I pray for us? Why don't we stand up and I'll try not to fall over. I close my eyes and pray. (gasps) Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just confess our own inadequacy. That even though we have intention to follow Jesus, even though we we have every every intention and desire to to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, to do what he did, um, we fall short of that. And we don't know how. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to teach us, to instruct us, to to show us a new way to be with Jesus and to become more like him and to learn how to do the things that he did. Lord, we just declare our dependency on you. Would you help us? We try to do this on, on our own, this Christian thing and it just doesn't click because we need to learn how to rely on your spirit. So Lord, we humble ourselves today and we say, we need your help, God. We need your help. Would you help us connect with Jesus in scripture and in prayer and among the least of these, and among the church gathered, and in Sabbath, things that are that are very foreign to our culture, into our way of life, we need your help for that. Lord, would you help us become more like Jesus? We we try to fix ourselves and 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 do this on our own, and it's just it, it, it's so unproductive. Lord, would you help us fix our attention and our gaze and our our eyes on Jesus, the Author and the Finisher of our faith. May we be formed as, as we worship Jesus with our our whole lives, our every day sleeping, eating, walking around life. And then, Holy Spirit, would you would you teach us how to do the things Jesus did? Lord, we um, we know that that you that you're able to do that, and so we invite you to do that in our lives. There's, Maybe you can even point out things that are getting in the way of that, that we can repent of and that we can confess before you. Um, Lord, I pray for all my friends here today, that as they leave here, they'd be encouraged knowing that your spirit is with us. Your Holy Spirit is with us. We are not on our own. Lord, I, I give you praise for everything you've done, everything you're doing in our lives, and everything you're going to do. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.